Shalom, shalom, shalom. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, world changers. In this in this session, we're going to talk about the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to start reading from Deuteronomy chapter 18. We'll see how far we get. Uh, Lord willing, we'll do several chapters of the book of Deuteronomy and discuss it as we go. So Deuteronomy is just an awesome book. And so everybody, every Christian, every believer should be studying it, should know it inside and out. I'm very, very uh, excited. And I feel honored and privileged, actually, that we have the opportunity. The Lord has afforded us the opportunity to go through the book of Deuteronomy together. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome that we even have the book of Deuteronomy? You know, I, I remember hearing people, uh, and I'm sure that still happens in the world today. There are people in the world today. They they treasure one page. If they can get a hold of one page of the book of Deuteronomy, they'll, I mean, to them, it's like the the biggest treasure in the world. And so, you know, especially in some of these countries that have uh, laws against the Bible, uh, against against possession of the Bible, that kind of thing. So, hey, we've got a lot at our fingertips right now. Praise God. Let's Let's make use of what the Lord has afforded us. Amen. So those of you who are on um, the live stream, if you have any questions specifically for me, just put it at, at Christopher and I will pay special attention to that. So let's check out the live chat here before we get into it. The live chat over there on YouTube. Kalamentos says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Kalamentos. 1 John 2.26 says, Shalom, Shalom. Welcome, welcome. Beth says shalom shalom beth jeff says shalom everyone shalom jeff jeff psalm 94 says shalom everyone thank you for your prayers last night i'm finally starting to feel better okay praise god praise god all right so yes let's get into deuteronomy chapter 18 this is a very important chapter by the way it starts out talking about the Levites, but then it gets into talking about prophets. How do you, how do you tell the difference between true and false prophets? Um, and also talking about the prophet that is to come. And we know that this is fulfilled in Yeshua. Okay, guys, um, let's talk about this. This is Deuteronomy chapter 18. I'm going to uh, also do... Uh, a live stream on Podbean as well, a podcast live stream. So awesome. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 1. The Levitical priests, the whole tribe of Levi, or Levi, actually the more accurate way to pronounce this would be Levi, shall not have a portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's offerings by fire and his property. They shall not have an inheritance among their countrymen. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. Now this shall be the priest's portion from the people. From those who offer a sacrifice, either an ox or a sheep, they shall give the priest the shoulder, the two cheeks, and the stomach. You shall give him the first fruits of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep. Uh, let's stop here for a second. Why would God say this? Well, again, the Levites, because of their duties and their ministry, um, they, according to the word of God here, they deserved the best. 
And the best was the first fruits of the crop, the first born of the flocks. So that's the reason why God made this, uh, gave this commandment. Verse five, for the Lord your God has chosen him and his sons from all your tribes to stand to serve in the name of the Lord always. Now, if a Levite comes from any of your towns throughout Israel, where he resides, and he comes wherever he desires to the place which the Lord chooses, then he shall serve in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites, who shall stand there before the Lord. They shall eat equal, except for what they receive from the sale of their father's estates. Spiritism forbidden. Uh, we have a lot of this going on today, by the way. Verse 9. When you enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. So I, I, I guess you could say it, God is preaching against multi multiculturalism here, okay? It's like, don't pick up their culture. Do not do what they don't. Don't think the way they think. Don't do what they do. Don't accept any of it. It's what he says here. I mean, it's very clear. That's what it says in the Holy Scriptures. Verse 10, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination or a soothsayer, uh, one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell or a medium or a spiritist, or one who consults the dead. Now, there's a bit, that's a big list right there. Let's just kind of go over this a little bit slower. Uh, so number one is, no one shall make his son or daughter pass through the fire. What is that talking about? That is talking about the uh, serving the god of Moloch, by the way. The Gallic is, uh, Moloch was like a, um, Moloch actually means king or government. And uh, there is this big, almost like a big statue, right? And part of it was like human and part of it was like bull. Uh, if I can find a picture for you guys, I'll show you. This is an ancient form of an ancient picture, I should say, of, of abortion. Uh, a Molech here, uh, let me just show you the picture. Here's a, here is a drawing of Molech. You see up here, there's the head of a bull, and you got the human por por portion of, of Molech. And then down here in the womb, you got fire. And so what people would do is they would engage in all kinds of immoral acts. And of course, children were conceived. And so they would throw the child in there basically uh, immediately. And that child would be, would lose its life. So that is an ancient form of abortion. When the child loses its life in the womb of Moloch. Okay, the child dies in the womb of Moloch. And then we have here one who uses divination. Okay, this is uh, talking about different kind of spiritism, uh, new age kind of stuff as well. A, a soothsayer, again, a lot of new age kind of stuff. Um, that would be like tarot card readings, um, all kinds of things like that. By the way, a lot of people today who I, I've been posting a few videos about um, about people who claim to hear by 
hear uh, from the Holy Spirit all the time. People who always say the Lord spoke to me or the Holy Spirit says this to me or, or the Holy Spirit wants you to know or the Holy Spirit told me this about you or the Holy Spirit wants, you know, all this kind of stuff. The Holy Spirit says, um, I have been around it for years and I've seen a lot of it. And these are basically soothsayers. Basically is what they're doing. Let me, let me show you something. There's, there is a verse in Isaiah. Um, let me just look it up here. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 10. And I'll show it to you guys. Uh, actually, let's start at verse 9. Think, as I read this, think about the church today, especially the charismatic church, part of the church. Um, the antinomian, Paulian, anomian, lawless people, okay, that claim that they are Christians. Uh, it fits them well, actually. It says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord. They don't want to hear the law of the Lord. They don't want to hear the Torah. Who say to the seers, Okay, these are the seers, the prophet, their prophets, their pastors, their church leaders, the people who they hold in high esteem, people that they um, deem as people who hear from God. They say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Oh, we see this so much. We see this so much today, don't we? We see this so much today. So many people, so many, so much uh, ear tickling going on. I remember going, I went to several different like churches that would have a, like a so-called prophet or the pastor would, uh, would be someone who would uh, portray himself to be someone who hears from the Lord all the time. hears the voice of the Holy Spirit. So every um, New Year's Eve, Right, you'd have like a New Year's service, and we'd go in, you know, in, in this New Year's New Year's excuse me New Year's service would always include a prophecy of the coming year. And guess what? The prophecy would be a false prophecy every time, every time. Oh, the Lord is coming with His Spirit. It's going to flood this church. Oh, the revival is going to break out this year, you know, and you guys are going to be blessed. You guys are going to, all kinds of stuff like that. Ear tickling. Really what these people are doing, they're prophesying what they want to, what they want to happen. It's not really the Lord speaking it. It's their own spirit. It's their own heart that is speaking it. And it, these people need to read the book of Jeremiah. Study the book of Jeremiah because the book of Jeremiah says a lot about them, <laughs> about people who think. And you know what? They're well-meaning people. Don't get me wrong. They're well-meaning people. They actually believe they hear the Lord. I've heard it so many times. Well, the Lord said this. Oh, the Lord said this. The Holy Spirit told me this. The Holy Spirit told me that. It's blatantly against the, 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 the Word of God. Blatantly against the Scriptures. So. Yes, you would be amazed some of the things that I've heard uh, prophesied or preached uh, in the name of the a word of God that they heard through, through the Spirit of God. Uh, it's just amazing. So, 
Let's get back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. So we got here a soothsayer, which is basically what we're talking about. One who interprets omens. Again, we got a lot of this new age kind of stuff. A sorcerer. Okay. One who casts a spell like a witch. So, um, by the way, you know that it's a lot of these sorcerers and people like this, people that are into this kind of thing, they appear to be a very fearsome, like a very, uh, res- basically a lot of people are afraid of them. But the truth of the matter is a lot of these people are very, very full of fear because they're so empty, because they are dabbling with evil. They're dabbling in the occult. And this is basically what we're talking about here, the, the occult, dabbling the, in the occult and really just opening the door and welcoming evil spirits into their lives. And evil spirits don't necessarily bring peace, okay? And so these people are not necessarily people that are full of peace, even though they may seem like it on the outside. They're not. Very, very, f- you got a lot of fear, got a lot of fear, a lot of insecurities. A medium, okay? A spiritist or one who consults the dead. It would be a necromancer. By the way, a lot of people who who have devils, who have evil spirits in them, a lot of people are, I guess you would call it quote unquote possessed because they have broken one or more of these commands. When they... Whenever there's an evil spirit, whenever there's something, whenever the devil gets in your life, a lot of times it could be because you have disobeyed the Torah. You disobey the Torah, the devil comes in. You obey the Torah, you uphold the Torah, the devil goes out, right? There's, again, there's this ancient ancient Jewish mindset and concept that the only, there's only one way you could ever fight the devil, and that is by the Torah. And apparently Jesus actually even believed this. Because when he fought the devil in the temptation, he used Torah, Torah, Torah all the way. In fact, he used the the book of Deuteronomy all the way. Very powerful, very powerful. Verse 12. So whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord, your God, is going to drive them out before you. Again, remember Deuteronomy chapter 12, where God said very clearly, you're not going to possess the land because you're so good. No, 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 no. It's because the people that are living there now, they're, they are actually so wicked. And according to basically, basically what God is saying is they have violated my law too much. They crossed the line and therefore According to my law, I'm gonna I have to drive them out before you. And so that's why. The law applies to everyone, folks. The law, the law applies to everyone. Doesn't matter if you believe or not, whether you think you're quote unquote under the law or not, it doesn't matter. It's a universal law. Verse 13: You are to be blameless before the Lord your God. What does that mean, blameless? It means obeying the Torah whole uh, like obeying everything that applies to you it, obeying the the full torah the full instructions and laws and commands of god you you are to be blameless before the lord your god in other words don't don't do anything don't break the law god's law that is in any way at all don't even get close to it don't even give anybody an opportunity to point their finger at you and say 
you broke it and in, in this you broke this particular command because if that's the case you are getting you are getting blamed for it uh so if if it's true then you know you need to repent and be blameless verse 14 for these nations which you are going to dispossess Listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. So basically God's saying, look at the, um, the losers do these things. Don't do these things or else you're going to be a loser too. Okay. Basically that's what God is saying. Um, verse, th- verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. Mm-mm-mm, there it is. A prophet like me, like me, from among you, from your countrymen, in other words, of the children of Israel, to him you shall listen. Now, you know, every Christian that I know, and I believe it's true, that this prophet that Moses is talking about is, in fact, Yeshua. Is, in fact, Yeshua. Okay, so... He also mentions it again a little bit later in verse 18, but let's, okay, let's just read on. Uh, this is in accordance with everything that you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the, on the day of the assembly, saying, do not let me hear the voice of the Lord my God again, and do not let me see this great fire anymore, or I will die. And the Lord said to me, they have spoken well. I will raise up for them a prophet from among their countrymen like you. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them everything that I command him. And it shall come to pass, it shall come about that whoever does not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will require it of him. What does that mean? In the, in the footnotes here, require it means hold him responsible. Hold him responsible. But, here it is here, but the prophet who speaks a word presumption. Okay, so this is talking about now false prophets. But let's, let's just stop here for a second. From verse 15 to verse 19, talks about the prophet. I do believe that Yeshua was the fulfillment of that. Um, and there, there are a lot of things here we can talk about here. A lot of things, there's a few points we can make, okay? Number one is this. Some people believe, especially in uh, amongst, um, uh, I guess you would call it non-Messianic Jewish circles, that the prophet that Moses is talking about here is actually Joshua, because Joshua took over after him. I do not believe that's the case. I do not believe it is Joshua. I believe it is Joshua in the New Testament. You know that Jesus' name is is actually Joshua or Yahushua or, you know, Yahusha um, or Yeshua. Okay, so I do believe it's Joshua in that sense, but not the Joshua that followed immediately after Moses. It was the Joshua that, that came born of, uh, born in the household of Joseph and Mary, in as per the Gospels in the New Testament. So I do not believe that this is talking about Joshua as in the book of Joshua, because look, we know that Joshua was right 
out like he was Moses right hand like he was Moses right hand man right hand man he was he was Moses shadow we read about that in the tour earlier that Joshua followed Moses everywhere he was like his shadow okay um he was there all the time so Joshua most likely almost certainly would have been standing right right beside Moses when he when he said this if Joshua was the prophet that Moses was prophesying about, why didn't he say, here is Joshua? Listen to him. You know, he didn't, he spoke, obviously, in this context, about a person that is to come, not someone who's standing right beside him, not somebody that was already there, but somebody who is to come. A second point about that is is uh, we read about it in the New Testament how many people <laughs> I, I don't understand how some people think because they say well Joshua is is the one that he was he was uh, prophesying about as in the book of Joshua and, you know and that's what a lot of Jews say today I don't think that's true because back in New Testament days in Israel amongst the Jews they obviously did not believe that the prophet came yet because they asked John the Baptist, are you the prophet to come? So obviously it wasn't known back then that if Joshua was the prophet that Moses was talking about, which I think we have plenty of evidence he wasn't, but if he was, why didn't anybody know it? Nobody knew it. That's why they asked John the Baptist, are you the prophet that Moses is talking about? Are you the prophet that is to come? And even Yeshua, when he came, uh, when he rose uh, to the limelight, so to speak, they said the same thing too. Are you the prophet? Are you the one? Or, are, or should we seek someone else? Some say you're Elijah. You know, some say you're John the Baptist. So obviously people did not un, did not know that Joshua was the prophet because he's not the prophet. Yeshua was the prophet. Another another point here is is the point uh, the fact that Moses said he will be like him, like me. Some people believe that Jesus is kind of like the antithesis of Moses. Like Moses is all about law and Jesus is all about grace. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. The law is the law of grace. Jesus is all about grace. We talked about this before. The scripture in John where it says, grace upon grace. The law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Right? So they're not mutually exclusive. They're all together in one. Basically what John, John was saying was, we got grace upon grace, grace after grace, the law, Yeshua. The law is grace, Yeshua, grace. And Yeshua himself said in John chapter 5, and in other places as well, that Moses was in tune with him. He was in tune with Moses. If you believe Moses, you believe me. If you believe me, you believe Moses. We're, basically, we're one. We're together. We're, we're the same. Like, not the same, but you know what I mean. We're a team. 
everything that Moses says is in line with me. Everything I say is in line with Moses, basically. You search the scriptures, you search the writings of Moses, thinking that in them you will find eternal life, but they all speak about me. How is it that Moses wrote all about Jesus? Because Moses knew Jesus, Yeshua. He knew him. Because, I mean, right from here, he knew about Yeshua, the prophet's coming like me. Obviously, Moses knew that this prophet, Yeshua, was like him. He knew him well enough to know, hey, this prophet is like me. Verse 18 again, I will raise up for them a prophet from among their countrymen like you. I will put my words in his mouth. He shall speak to them everything that I command him. Remember, Yeshua said as well, I don't speak of my, myself. I don't speak on my own. I speak that which the Father um, gives me. I, I, speak my, I speak the Father's words. Some people think that Jesus came to start a new religion or to, to teach something different. Not at all. He came just to teach people and to lead people back to the right way, which is, as we uh, read in, in, in the, uh, the writings of Moses. So, uh, Yeshua and Moses are not at odds with one another at all. Verse 19, And it shall come to pass that whoever does not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will require it of him. In other words, he will be responsible. Now, verse 20 is talking about now, uh, this is how you test different people who claim to be prophets, people who claim to hear from the Lord. Okay. Verse 20, but the prophet, but the prophet, okay. Not talking about the, not talking about uh, this other prophet, Yeshua, but another prophet, but the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name. A lot of people today are very, very presumptuous. A lot of Christians today are very, very presumptuous in every way. They're presumptuous about their salvation. They're presumptuous about the gifts of the Spirit. Not that the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation today. They are in operation today, just not as common as people would like to believe. So Christians are very presumptuous. They think they have it when they really don't. They think they speak in tongues when they really don't. They, they think they prophesy. They think they hear from the Holy Spirit when they really don't. They think they hear the voice of the Lord when they really don't. That's being presumptuous. They presume to hear, but they, they're not. It, it's their own spirit. It's their own uh, heart that they're hearing, not the Spirit of God. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, a word which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how will we recognize the word which the Lord has, has not spoken? When the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, and the thing does not happen or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You are not to be afraid of him. I know people, I mean, that they admittedly, like, 
I know this guy, it's like, you know, he said, the Lord spoke to me and he said that, you know, uh, before so-and-so passes away, such and such will happen. Well, that person passed away and it didn't happen. And this happens all the time. A lot of people, they, they think that they hear from God and they say these kind of things. They make these prophecies and it doesn't happen. And a lot of these people are still so stiff-necked, so stubborn, so blind, so, I don't know. I don't know what to, how to describe them. Because they don't see it. They, don't, they cannot humble themselves enough to actually come to the point where they say, you know what? What I said was wrong. I didn't, it must not have been the Holy Spirit. It must have been my own, my own, you know, my own spirit, my own heart. My own mind. They're not humble enough to come to that conclusion. And even if they do, they need to go to the next step, and that is to admit that they don't know the voice of God. They don't know God that well. And a lot of these people can't get to that place because of the fact that they, their whole identity is wrapped up in, in being a prophet or being a man or woman of God that hears from the Lord. It's a a pride thing. It really is. It's a thing of arrogance and pride. They don't say it this way. They don't really say it in these words. But what they're really saying is, I'm so special. I I have such a connection with God. God just, uh, God is so close to me and he speaks to me all the time. He's like, like he's a, um, like a radio I tune into and, and, and he's speaking to me all the time. Just, he doesn't stop speaking and I'm the only one that hears it. And I'm, and I'm here to, to tell you what the, what the Lord said. That's not, that's not the way anybody should be thinking. Nobody should ever exalt themselves to the point where they think that they hear God. And they're better than other people because of the fact that, they think that they hear the voice of the Spirit of God. It's, 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 it's based in insecurity. It's based in fear. It's based in pride. They're feeding their pride. Like, oh, I'm so special. So when they do give a word that's not true, they find it very hard to admit it. They always try to beat around the bush about it. Like that, what was his name? Harold Camping, right? Where he's like, oh yeah, you know, the Lord showed me this and I even have it all mapped out and calculated out that the, that the, that the world would end such and such a date. And that was how many years ago now? And it didn't happen. You know, the rapture would happen. Jesus would come back at such and such a date. And it didn't happen. And he, he did not humble himself to the point where he admitted it. Say, you know, I'm wrong. I don't know the Lord that well. Instead, he defaults to, well, it did happen. It's just that it happened spiritually. <laughs> um, n- nobody knows it. I'm the only one who knows it, but it did happen. You know, it's really not very good, not very reasonable excuses. So I encourage you, if anyone, if you or anyone you know of, if you think you hear from the Lord and it does not come to pass, Don't try to excuse it. Don't try to justify it. 
Don't try to beat around the bush and try to find another way when you think it can't, it did come to pass. Just admit, just admit to yourself, at least to yourself, (laughs) that you just don't know the voice of God. And God just doesn't have to speak to you at all. Not everybody is an ear. Okay. Not everybody hears the voice of God. Not everybody is an ear. There's different parts to the body. That's the thing. Before we get to the next chapter, uh, take some of your comments here. KMJJ says, Shalom all. Shalom, KMJJ. Good to see you. Welcome. Mark says, Shalom. Shalom, Mark. Welcome. 1 John 2.26 says, many Christians play with Ouija boards. Bad news. Absolutely bad news. If you play with Ouija boards, if you know anybody else that play that plays with Ouija boards and they consider themselves to be a Christian, they need to get rid of that Ouija board. They need to cancel all ground gained by the enemy. Um, absolutely. And I'm not talking about giving the Ouija board to someone else either. I'm talking about destroying it as they did. In the, they destroy these kind of things uh, throughout the scriptures. We see it also in the book of Acts. Beth says, Christopher, would you say that there's a difference between multiculturalism and syncretism and that is and that it is the religious syncretism that is a probation or are the two inherently linked? Very good question, Beth. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's kind of a matter of semantics when, when you kind of, because it's like the question is how, where do you draw the line between a culture and the religion of that culture? So, you know, the real bottom line is this. We read about it through the scriptures. It's like, it's, it's not wrong to, to adopt another culture, another cultural trait, as long as that trait is, is in line with the word, is in line with the scriptures is in line with God's instructions to us. So, yeah. So, I mean, when you, if you put it like that, I guess you would call this syncretism would be, would be more of the, of the word, you know, the word to, to use. Uh, so, yeah. Um, very good question, Beth. Very good. Thank you for your question. Seek truth in Christ said, this is why Jesus said, Matthew 10, 13, if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let let your peace return to you. (laughs) Welcome, Angry Mouthy Freak. Sorry, I can't post your um, thing there, but Angry Mouthy Freak on DLive sent me a little graphic that says lurking. Welcome. Christina says, uh, old people where I live in North Carolina interpret omens. Every bird you see, they say, is uh, someone going to die? Uh, Yeah, that's not not a very uh, good thing at all. You notice, whenever there's a... 
whenever there's someone who is who has evil spirits, or even a house that has evil spirits, uh, I remember growing up, uh, my grandmother said that there was this house that um, that uh, what does she call it now? A fortune teller. Fortune teller. A fortune teller used to live in this house. And this was way back in the early 1900s. And all of my life growing up, that house was abandoned. And it, uh, it was, a, it was um, known to be a haunted house. Lots of stories going, going around about what happened there and different experiences that people had there when they went to visit this house. Uh, but it, it, that's all biblical and it very much, it very well could have been a haunted house because of the, of a fortune teller that lived there. Because when you do these kind of things, any kind of occult, new age, uh, witchcraft, sorcery, anything along those lines at all, you, you're welcoming evil spirits. And so uh, whether it's a house or even a person, that's what happens. That's how evil spirits come and uh, haunt a house or possess a person. It's always because of some command that they broke in the Torah. Beth says, yoga and Eastern mysticism is, are very oft, or excuse me, are very common in the Christian church, which would be both cultural and religious. So secretism, pulling different modes of worship, salad bar Christianity. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, 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 these kind of things are definitely um, not, um, not good for any Christian to engage in. Uh, I know of a guy who actually is from India and he, he said that the yoga positions are actually worship Hindu Hindu worship positions as well. So it's definitely not a Christian thing to do. And you'll see, you'll hear a lot of testimonies of people who have been involved in yoga and they have been um, afflicted or maybe not afflicted, but oppressed or possessed by certain evil spirits because of it. Yes, Beth says, and those Eastern things are also inherently demonic. So Ouija boards fit right in. Yes, they do. HP says, what, are the, what is the difference between the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law? Why were the Ten written on two tablets? Okay, so we don't have the tablets, uh, and very, very few people ever lived has actually ever seen the tablets. Um, there's one person that I, I saw in a video that's from Ethiopia that claims that he actually saw the tablets in the ark uh, that's in um, St. Mary's of Zion Chapel in Aksum, Ethiopia, um, but he didn't go into any detail. Uh, so we can only speculate. There are two different tablets. Perhaps one of the tablets contain the commandments pertaining to God, and the other uh, tablet contains the uh, the tablets pertaining to man. Um, the Ten Commandments are just a 
summary of all of the rest of the Torah, actually. So it's like a tree. Like at the base, you could say is repentance. That's really where it's, it all comes down. The root of it is really repentance. You might kind of branch out into two different branches, which would be to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. And then you can break that down into, into 10 commandments. And then you can break the 10 commandments down into hundreds of commandments. So the 10, the 10 commandments kind of explain the two greatest commandments and the 10 commandments uh, and the hundreds of commandments that we know of in the, in the Torah actually define and explain the 10 commandments. Vinny says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Vinny. Welcome. Good to see you. The second first says, Shalom. Late but here. Glad you're here. Welcome. Beth says, at Christopher, all life should be worship. So that makes sense. Thank you. I'm I'm a little bit unclear about that first part of that say um, sentence, but you're welcome. Anyway, the Tower Time says, uh, Shalom, brothers and sisters. Bless y'all. Shalom, the Tower Time. Blessings multiplied back to you, brother. Okay, let's continue with. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Then the Lord your God cuts, excuse me, when the Lord your God cuts off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you dispossess them and settle in their cities and in their houses, you shall set aside for yourself three cities in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall prepare the roads for yourself and divide into three regions the territory of your land, which the Lord your God will give will give you as an inheritance, so that anyone who commits manslaughter may flee there. Now this is the case of the one who commits manslaughter, who may flee there when uh, who may flee there and live, when he kills a, uh, his friend unintentionally, not hating him previously, as when a person goes into the forest. With his friend to cut wood and his hand swings the axe and to cut down the tree and the iron head slips off the handle and strikes his friend so that he dies, he may flee to one of these cities and live. Otherwise, the avenger of blood might pursue him in the heat of his anger and overtake him because the way is long and take his life, though he was not sentenced to death since he had not hatred uh, hated him previously. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall set aside for yourself three cities. And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, just as he swore to your fathers and gives you all the land he promised to give to your fathers, if you carefully, again, if, if is a, is a condition, if you carefully follow all this commandment, which I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his way, ways always, then you shall add three more cities to uh, for yourself besides these three. So innocent blood may not be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and guilt for bloodshed will not be on you. But if there is a person who hates his neighbor and waits an ambush for him and rises up against him and strikes him, 
so so that he dies and he flees to one of these cities then the elders of his city shall send men and take him from there and hand him over to the avenger of blood so that he may die you shall not pity him but you shall eliminate the guilt for the bloodshed of the innocent from Israel so that it may go well with you, or for you you shall not displace your neighbor's boundary marker which the, which the ancestors have set in the inheritance which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. A single witness shall not rise up against a person regarding any wrongdoing or any sin that he commits on the testimony of excuse me on the testimony of two or three witnesses a matter shall be confirmed. In the footnotes Literally, the mouth of two witnesses, or by the mouth of three witnesses, shall a matter be uh, a matter shall be confirmed. If a malicious witness rises up against a person to testify against him of wrongdoing, then both people who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who will be in the office in office in those days and the judges shall investigate thoroughly and if the witness is false witness and he has testified against his brother falsely then you shall do to him just as he planned to do to his brother ooh there you go that's a good one that's a good one because there's a lot of false witnesses out there there are a lot of false witnesses out there i get a lot of people today even just in recent days um, and in recent years, a lot of people are false witnesses against me. I know, and those of you as well, you know what I'm talking about. If you are preaching the word of God, if you're preaching the truth, you get false witnesses. You get people who say, oh, you're a, you're a false teacher or you're a false prophet or um, all kinds of things. They have all kinds of names. They're bearing false witness. There's, they're sowing strife. So. The false witness that it testifies against his brother falsely, um, the same thing that he wanted to do to that brother will be done to him. You shall do to him just as he had planned to do to his brother. Wow. So you shall eliminate the evil from among you. I like that. Eliminate the evil from among you. And the rest of the people will, will hear and be afraid and will never again do such an evil thing among you. So you shall not sow pity, life for life. You shall not show pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and foot for foot. Now again, this is these are laws for the judges, you know, in context as well. I mean, it's talking a lot about the judges, the judges, the judges. And this is what happened in the days of Yeshua. People hid behind this commandment to violate other commandments, such as love your neighbors yourself. They didn't love their neighbors as themselves because they, they took the law in their own hands, so to speak. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, or foot for foot. Same with Leviticus chapter 19, speaking of thou shalt not hold a grudge. They're, they held grudges against their enemies. Um, and when confronted about it, it's like, no, 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 it says eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, foot for foot. I'm going to get my revenge. But don't forget, it also says in the scriptures, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. 
It also says in the scriptures, um, love your neighbors yourself. In Exodus chapter 23, talks about how we are to treat our enemies well. We are to bless our enemies. That's that's uh, Exodus chapter 23. That is what Yeshua actually was expounding upon when he said, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you, yada, yada, yada. It was from uh, Exodus chapter 23 and Leviticus chapter 19. Deuteronomy chapter 20, laws of warfare. When you go out to battle against your enemies, now in this particular concept or in this particular context, it's talking about enemy nations. It's not talking about personal grudges or personal enemies. It's talking about basically um, political or uh, you know national enemies. When you go out to battle against your enemies, and see horses, chariots, and people more numerous than you. Do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, is when you are approaching the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people. He shall say to them, Hear, Israel, you are approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid or panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who is going with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. The officers also shall speak to the people saying, Who is the man that has built a new house but has not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house. Otherwise, he might die in the battle and another man would dedicate it. And who is the man that has planted a vineyard, but has not put it to use? Let him go and return to his house. Otherwise, he may die in the battle and another man would put it to use. And who is the man who is betrothed to a woman and has not married her? Let him go and return to his house. Otherwise, he might die in the battle and another man would marry her. Then the officer shall speak further to the people saying, Who is the man that is afraid? And faint-hearted, let him go and return to his house, so that he does not make his brother's hearts melt like, like his heart. And when the officers have finished uh, speaking to the people, they shall appoint commanders of armies at the head of the of the people. When you approach a city to fight against it, you shall offer it terms of peace. And if it agrees to make peace with you and opens to you, then all the people who are found in it shall become your forced labor and serve you. However, if it does not make peace with you, but makes war against you, then you shall besiege it. Then the Lord your God gives it in, excuse me, when the Lord your God gives it into your hand, you shall strike all men in it with the edge of the sword. However, the women, the children, the animals, and everything that is in the city, all of its spoils, you shall take as plunder for yourself. You shall you shall you shall use the spoils of your enemies which the Lord has given has given uh, excuse me, has given you. This is what you shall do to all the cities that are very far from you, which are not the cities of these nations nearby. Only in the cities of these peoples that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, you shall not leave anything that breathes alive. Instead, you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, and the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, 
just as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that they will not teach you to do all the same detestable practices of theirs which they have done for their gods, by which you would not or by which you would sin against the Lord your God. Notice how serious it is to, to do the detestable practices, to engage in the detestable practices um, of these other nations. It's so serious. God's saying, wipe them all out just so that they won't, they won't influence you. I mean, that is very serious. Verse 19. When you besiege a city for a long time to make war against it in order to capture it, you shall not destroy its trees by swinging an axe against them, for you may eat from them, so you shall not cut them down. For it is the tree of the field, for, excuse me, for is the tree of the field a human that, you sh- that it should be besieged by you? Only the trees that you know are not fruit trees you shall destroy and cut down, so that you may construct siege works against the city that is making war against you until it falls. Deuteronomy chapter 21. If the person who has been killed by someone is found lying in the open country in the land which uh, which the Lord your God is giving you to possess and is not known who struck him, Excuse me. Um, then your elders and your judges shall go out and measure the distance to the cities which are around the one who was killed. And it shall be that the city which is nearest to the person killed, that is, that the elders of that city shall take a heifer of the herd that has not been worked and has not pulled in a yoke, and the elders of that city shall bring the heifer down to a valley with running water which has not been plowed or sown, and they shall break the heifer's neck there in the in the valley. Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come forward because the Lord your God has chosen them to serve him and to bless in the name of the Lord. Every dispute and violent crime shall be settled by them. And all the elders of that city, which is nearest to the person killed shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the valley. And they shall respond and say, our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our our eyes see who did. Forgive your people, Israel, whom you have redeemed, Lord, and do not place the guilt for innocent blood in the midst of your people, Israel, for the, excuse me, and for, and the guilt for bloodshed shall be forgiven forgiven them. So you shall remove the guilt for innocent blood from your midst when you do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. When you go out to battle against your enemies and the Lord your God hands them over to you and you take them away captive and you see among the captives a beautiful woman and are strongly attracted to her and would take her as a wife for yourself, then you shall bring her into your home, and she shall shave her head and trim her nails. She shall also remove the clothes of her captivity and shall remain in your house and weep for her father and her mother a full month. And after that, you may have relations with her in, uh, and become her husband 
and she shall be your wife. But if if it shall be, or excuse me, but it shall be, if you are not pleased with her, then you shall let her go wherever she wishes, and you certainly shall not sell her for money. You shall not treat her as merchandise, since you have humiliated her. If a man has two wives, if the one loved and the other unloved, excuse me, if, if a man has two wives, the one loved and the other unloved, and both the loved and the unloved have borne him sons, and the firstborn son belongs to the unloved, then it shall be on the day that he wills what he owns as an inheritance to his sons, he is not allowed to treat the son of the loved wife as the firstborn at the expense of the son of the unloved, who is actually who is who actually is the firstborn son. On the contrary, he shall acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the unloved wife, by giving him a double portion of everything that he owns, for he was the beginning of his strength. To him belongs the right of the firstborn. If any person has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father or his mother, and when they discipline him, he does not listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He does not obey us. He is thoughtless and giving given to drinking. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall eliminate evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear about it and fear. Now, if a person has committed a sin carrying a sentence of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body is not to be left overnight on the tree. But you shall certainly bury him on the same day. For he who is hanged is cursed he who is hanged is cursed of God, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Notice some of these sins are sins that actually defile the land, not just defile the person who, who actually commits a sin, but actually defiles the land. Deuteronomy chapter 22 you shall not see your countrymen's ox or sh or sheep straying away and avoid them. You shall certainly bring them back to your countrymen. And if your countryman is not near you or if he or if you do not know him, then you shall bring it to your house and it shall remain with you until the countryman looks for it. Then you shall restore it to him. You shall also do this with his donkey. And you shall do the same with his garment, and you shall do likewise with any lost property of your of your countrymen, which has been lost by him, and you and have been and have found, and you have found. Excuse me. You are not allowed to avoid them. You shall not see your countryman's donkey or his ox fallen down on the road and avoid him. You shall certainly help him raise them up. A woman shall not wear a man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. If you happen to come upon a bird's nest along, with, along the way, in any tree or on the ground, 
with young ones or eggs in it, and the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You shall certainly let the mother go, but the young you take for yourself, in order that it may go well for you, and that you may prolong your days. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof. Parapet in the uh, footnotes, it says a protective railing. So that you will not bring guilt for bloodshed on your house if anyone falls from it. You shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed. Otherwise, all the produce of the seed which you have sown and and the yield of the vineyard will be forfeited to the sanctuary. You shall not plow an, uh, with, a, with an ox or a donkey together. Excuse me. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear a material, a material of wool and linen combined together. You shall make yourselves tassels on the four corners of your garment with, with which you you cover yourself. Okay, so we 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 uh, mentioned we spoke about these tassels, these seat seat, uh, in our reading of Numbers chapter fifteen, verse thirteen. If a man takes a wife and goes into her and then turns against her, and he charges her with shameful behavior, and publicly defames her and says, "I took this woman, but when I came near her, I did not find her to have." evidence of virginity, then the girl's father and her mother shall take and bring out the evidence of the girl's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. And the girl's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man, as but he turned against her. And behold, he has charged her with shameful behavior, saying, I did not find your daughter to have evidence of virginity. But this is the evidence of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread out the garment before the elders of the city. Then the elders of the city shall take the man and rebuke him. And they shall fine him a hundred shekels of silver and give it to the girl's father because he publicly defamed a virgin of Israel. And she shall remain his wife. He is not allowed to divorce her all his days. But if this charge is true and they did not find the girl to have evidence of virginity, Then they shall bring the girl out to the doorway of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death, because she has committed a a disgraceful sin in Israel by playing the prostitute in her father's house. You shall eliminate evil from among you. If a man is found sleeping with a married woman, then both of them shall die. The man who slept with the woman and the woman, you shall eliminate the evil from Israel. If There is a girl who is a virgin betrothed to a man, and another man finds her in the city and sleeps with her. Then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death. The girl, because she did not cry out for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he has violated his neighbor's wife. You shall eliminate the evil from among you. If the man finds the girl who is betrothed in the field, and the man seizes her and rapes her, then only the man who raped her shall die. And you are not to do anything to the girl. There is no sin in the girl worthy of death. For just as the man 
rises against his neighbor and murders him. So is this case. When he found when he found her in the field, the betrothed girl cried out, but there was no one to save her. If a man finds a girl who is a virgin, who is not betrothed, and he seizes her and has sexual relationship with her, and they are discovered, then the man who has sexual relationship with her shall give the girl's father fifty shekels of silver, and he shall become she shall become his wife, because he has violated her. He is not allowed to divorce her all his days. A man shall not take his father's wife in marriage so that he does not uncover his father's garment. Deuteronomy chapter 23. No one is is no one who is emasculate, emasculated uh, or has his male organ cut off may enter the assembly of the Lord. Uh, let me just stop here for a second because some people would ask a question about this. Why would this be in according to um, the traditional Jewish way of of, uh, of interpreting this? Uh, what it means when it says you shall not, it shall, um, you know, such and such a person, or you know, we'll read about it again a little bit later here uh, when a certain person is not allowed to e- enter the assembly of the Lord. Basically, what it means is this person is not fit for having children, basically. This, this person is not um, material to marry your daughter off to, kind of thing. That's basically what it means. No one of illegitimate, illegitimate birth may enter the assembly of the Lord. None of his descendants even to the tenth generation may enter the assembly of the Lord. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. None of their descendants, even to the tenth generation, may enter the assembly of the Lord. Because they did not meet you with food and water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, or Balaam, and the, uh, the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you, Nevertheless, the Lord your God was unwilling to listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. See what happens if the Lord loves you? is just like the, the story of Joseph. Everything that is meant to be a curse to you is turned into a blessing. Verse 6. You shall never seek their peace or their prosperity all your days. Verse 7, you shall not loathe an Edomite, Edomite, uh, for he is your brother. You shall not loathe an Egyptian, because you were a stranger in his land. The sons of the third generation who are born to them may enter the assembly of the Lord. When you go out as an army against your enemies, you shall be on guard against every evil thing. If there is among you any man who is unclean because of a, noc- of, of a nocturnal omission, then he must go outside the camp. He may not re-enter the camp. But when evening approaches, he shall bathe himself with water, and at sundown he and at sundown he may re-enter the camp. You shall also have a place allocated outside the camp so that you may go out there to relieve yourself 
and you shall have a spade among your tools. And it shall be when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it, and you shall turn and cover up your excrement. Since the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to save you and to defeat your enemies before you, your camp must be holy, so he must not see anything indecent among you, or he will turn away from you. You shall not hand over to his master a slave who has escaped from from his master to you. He shall live with you in your midst, in the place that he chooses, in one of your towns where it, dis- where it pleases him. You shall not mistreat him. None of the daughters of Israel shall be a cult prostitute, nor shall any of the sons of Israel be a cult po- prostitute. You shall not bring the earnings of a prostitute or the money for a dog into the house of the Lord your God as payment for any vowed offering because both of these men are an abomination to the Lord your God. You are not to charge interest to your countrymen, interest on money, food, or anything that may be loaned on interest. You may charge interest to a foreigner, but to your countrymen you shall not charge interest, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all that you undertake in the land which you are about to enter to possess. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to repay it, for the Lord your God will will certainly require it of you, and it will be a sin for you. However, if you refrain from making vows, it will not be a sin for you. You shall be careful and perform what goes out of your lips, since in fact you have vowed a voluntary vow to the Lord your God, whatever you have promised. When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat grapes until you are satisfied, but you are not to put any in your basket. When when you enter your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads of grain with your hand, but you, you are not to use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. Deuteronomy chapter 24. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens if she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts puts it in her hand and sends her away from his house, and she leaves his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, and the latter husband turns against her, writes her a writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her away from his house. Or if the latter husband who took her to be his wife dies, then her former husband who sent her away is not allowed to take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord. You shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. When a man takes a new wife, he is not to go out with the army, nor be assigned any duty. He shall be free at home for one year and and shall make his wife whom he has taken happy. No one shall seize a handmill or an upper millstone as a pledge for a loan, since he will he would be seizing the debtor's means of life as a pledge. See, it's a very, very serious thing to take someone's livelihood away from them. 
So that's why it's a very, uh, you know, actually cancel culture is a very, very serious thing. In fact, in the eyes of traditional Judaism, uh, taking or causing someone to lose their, their means of making a living is in fact murder. Just by causing someone to lose their job in that sense. Verse 7, if someone is caught kidnapping any of his countrymen of the sons of Israel and he treats him as merchandise and sells him, then that thief shall die. So you shall eliminate evil from among you. Be careful about an infestation of leprosy. So this would be Sarah as well, probably, which means all is not just leprosy or it, it, would, it would include any kind of skin disease that you are very attentive and act accordance with everything that the Levitical priests teach you. In other words, some of the, you know, the doctrine that we read of in the, in the uh, book of Leviticus, especially. Just as I have commanded them, you shall be careful to act. Remember that the Lord your God, excuse me, remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way as you came out of Egypt. When you make your neighbor alone, of any kind, you shall not enter his house to take his pledge. You shall stand outside, and the person to whom you are making the loan shall bring the pledge outside to you. And if he is a poor man, you shall not sleep with his pledge. When the sun goes down, you shall certainly return the pledge to him, so that he may sleep in his, in his, in his cloak and bless you. And it will be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. You shall not exploit a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your countrymen or one of your strangers who are in your land, in your towns. You shall give him the wages of his day before the sun sets, for he is poor and sets his heart on it, so that he does not cry out against you to the Lord, and it becomes a sin to you. Again, you see this this concept of someone who cries out against someone else to the Lord. And we know that the Lord listens to these kind of cries, these kind of prayers. Verse 16. Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin alone. It's interesting that this is, even though we have this in the book of Deuteronomy, it is repeated in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, chapter 33, and other places throughout this as well. Verse 17, you shall not pervert the justice due a stranger or an orphan, nor seize a widow's garment as a pledge. But you are to remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you are not to go back to get it. It shall belong to the stranger, the orphan, and to the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives off your olive tree, you are not to search through the branches again. That shall be left for the stranger, the orphan, and for the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you are not to go over it again. That shall be left for the stranger, 
the orphan and the widow. And again, why why would all these things, all these extra perks and blessings be left for these people? Because they have these people have no means of making a living. Back in those days, only men worked, especially in regards to the the orphan and the widow. Only men worked, and so uh, if you if you're a widow, there was no means of income at all. You could not work. You didn't have a husband to support you, uh, and the orphan as well. If you did not have a father, the orphan um, did not have any means of support either. Verse twenty-two, and you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I'm commanding you to do this thing. Deuteronomy chapter 25. If there is a dispute between people and they go to court and the judges decide their case and they declare the righteous innocent and pronounce the wicked guilty, then it shall be if the wicked person deserves to be beaten, the judge shall then make him lie down and have him beaten in his presence with the number of lashes according to his wrongful act. He may have him beaten 40 times, but not more, so that he does not have have him beaten with many more lashes than these, and that your brother does not become contemptible in your your eyes. Keep in mind, uh, let me just stop here for a second. Keep in mind, um, this happened to Paul. We read about it, Paul... um, Paul made it clear that this this actually happened to him. Uh, Let's just take a look at it here. Now, the the whole idea that this happened to Paul as well um, is interesting because this this goes to show that he was taken to court and he was found guilty. According to the judges, he was found to be wicked. Okay, um, this is found in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-four. Paul said five times, not just once, twice, three times, four times, but five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. So that's what, is, what Paul was talking about here: the forty lashes minus one. Um, so Paul went through this. Let, let's, you know, just, with with that in mind, let's just read this once more. To understand, this is what Paul actually went through. If there is a dispute between people and they go to court and the judges decide their case and they declare the righteous innocent and pronounce the wicked guilty, then it shall be if the wicked person deserves to be beaten, the judge then shall make him lie down and have him beaten in his presence with the number of lashes according to his wrongful act. He may have him beaten 40 times, but not more so that he does not have him beaten with many more lashes than these, that your brother does not become contemptible in your eyes. So apparently five times uh, Paul was was taken to court. There was a dispute between him and others five times, and the judges each time uh, found him guilty, and, and he got the lashes. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. Why does it say this? Because the ox is working on the grain, and therefore the ox is it's the ox has right to eat from the grain that he is that the ox is working on. 
and they don't want to see the animal under too much stress or duress. You want to see the animal enjoy the food that it's actually working on. That reminds me, um, <laughs> Let me tell you guys a story. It's a, it's a kind of a funny story, but it's a true story. I used to work at a place that was uh, it was a factory that that uh, made food, and I noticed there was several people that stole from this factory. They were stealing food right off the line, like they were just stealing food. They'd come with bags and just pack their bags. I'm thinking, whoa, man! And like it was right in front of me, right in front of me. So. Again, at this point in time, I, I was like a teenager, right? And so I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Because these people keep on coming and keep on stealing all this all this product. And so I thought, you know what? Maybe I should just let the supervisor know, right? So I went and I told the supervisor, hey, these guys are stealing all this product. Uh, you know, uh, he said, you know what it said? It, it was a it was an older Dutch guy, right? And he, he had this Dutch accent. And he said, he said, you. You know what it says with the you know, what it says in the Bible. He said, "You know what it says when you know what the Bible says, right?" And at that point in time, I was already born again. I was already, you know, I was known for uh, my faith. And he, I'm like, "What?" He says, "It says you shall not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain." I'm thinking, okay. So he had no problem with all these people taking all this food. He just looked at them as if they were, <laughs> they were oxen that were turning out the grain, and they're to him. Um, they were they had right to the food to eat to eat however much they wanted to eat and take home as much however much they wanted to take home. I'll never forget that. Deuteronomy chapter twenty five verse five: When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall have relations with her and take her to himself as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. It shall, it shall then be that the firstborn to whom she gives birth shall assume the name of his father's deceased brother so that his name will not be wiped out from Israel. But if the man does not, or excuse me, but if the man does not desire to take his brother's widow, then the brother's widow shall go up to the gate of, uh, to the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to establish a name for my, uh, for his brother in Israel. He is not willing to perform the duty of a husband, a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of his city shall summon him and speak to him. And if he and says, I do not desire to take her, then his brother's widow shall come up to him in the sight of the elders and, and pull off his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And she shall declare, this is what is done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And in Israel, his family shall be called by the name, the house of him whose sandal was removed. In the footnotes, his name shall be called the house of him whose sandal was removed. Verse 11, if two men 
a man and his countrymen, have a fight with each other, and the wife of the of one comes up to save her husband from the hand of the one who is hitting him, and she reaches out with her hand and grasps that man's genitals. Then you shall cut off her hand. You shall ha- you shall show excuse me. You shall not show pity. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a large and a small. In other words, in other words, let me just stop you. In other words, um, see, this would be uh, what you call it? dishonest weights. Yeah, this is a pound, but it's not really a pound. It's you know, it's like you know, five eighths of a pound or something like that. It's not really a pound. Um, differing weights here in the uh, footnotes, a stone and a stone. In other words, two different weights. In other words, you, you need to be honest in the weights, uh, the measurements, basically. Verse 14, you shall not ha- have in your house differing measures, large and small. You shall have a correct and honest weight, you shall have a correct and honest measure so that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. For everyone who does these things, everyone who acts unjustly is an abomination to the Lord your God. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way when you came out of Egypt, how how he confronted you on the way and attacked among you all the strangers at your rear when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Hmm. There's a lot of politicians, by the way, today that do not fear God. Verse 19. So it shall come about when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies in the land which the Lord your God is giving you inheritance to possess, that you shall wipe out the mention of the name of Amalek from under heaven. You must not forget. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Then it shall be when you enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you take possession of it and live in it, that you shall take some of the uh, first of all the produce of the land or of the ground, which you bring in from your land that the Lord your God gives you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord my God that I have entered the land which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God, and shall respond and say before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down to Egypt and resided there, few in number. But there he came, he became a great, mighty, and populous nation. And the Egyptians treated us badly and oppressed us and imposed hard labor on us. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our wicked or wretched condition, wretched condition, our trouble, 
and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out, out of Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm and with great terror and minds and wonders. And he has brought us to this place and, and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first of the produce of the ground which you, the Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you, the Levite, and and the stranger who is among you shall rejoice in all the good which the Lord your God has given you and your household. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, Then you shall give it to the Levite, to the stranger, to the orphan, and to the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. And you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from my house, and have also given it to the Levite, the stranger, the orphan, and the widow, in accordance with all your commandments, which you have commanded me. I have not violated or forgotten any of your commandments. I have not eaten of it while burning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor offered any of it to the dead. I have listened to the voice of the Lord my God. I have acted in accordance with everything that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy dwelling place from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground which You have given us a land flowing with milk and honey, just as you swore to our fathers. This day, the Lord your God commands you to perform these statutes and ordinances. Therefore, you shall be careful to perform them with all your heart and with all your soul. Today, you shall declare, excuse me, today you have declared the Lord to be your God and that you walk in in his ways, and keep his statutes, his commandments, and his ordinances, and listen to his voice. And the Lord has today declared you to be his people, his personal possession, just as he promised you, and that you are are to keep all his commandments, and that he will put you on high above all the nations which he has made for glory, fame, and honor and that you shall be a consecrated people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. Deuteronomy chapter 27. Then Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I am commanding you today, so that it so it shall be. Uh, shall be on the day when you cross the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, that you shall set up for yourselves, for yourself, large stones and coat them with lime and write them on, or write them all the, all the words of this law, when you cross over. Excuse me, when you cross over, so that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. So it shall be when you cross over, when you cross the Jordan, you shall set up these stones on Mount Ebal, as I am commanding you today, and you shall coat them with lime. Moreover, you shall build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not 
not wield an iron tool on them. You shall build the altar of the Lord your God of uncut stones, and you shall offer it on it burnt offerings to the Lord your God. And you shall sacrifice peace offerings and eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. You shall write on the stones all the words of this law very clearly. See, it's very important here that things are presented clearly. Uh, for the most part, the Torah, by the way, just as a side note, for the most part, the Torah is clear, very clear. Um, on the other hand, uh, some of the other books that we find in the typical Bible today, especially, for example, the books of Paul, the epistles of Paul are not so clear, not so clear uh, in comparison with the Torah. Verse 9 then Moses and the, the, excuse me, the Levitical priests spoke to all Israel, saying, Be silent and listen, Israel. This day you have become a people for the Lord your God. So you shall obey the Lord your God and do his commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Moses also commanded the people on that day, saying, When you cross the Jordan, these tribes shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. For the curse, these tribes shall stand on Mount Ebal. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. The Levites shall then respond and say to all the people of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed is the person who makes a carved image or cast a metal image in abomination to the Lord. The work of the hands of a craftsman and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall reply and say, Amen. Cursed is the one who treats his father and or mother contemptuously. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who displaces his neighbor's boundary marker. And all the people shall say, Amen. Person is misleads a person who is blind on the road. And all the people shall say, Amen. Person is the one who dists the justice due a stranger, an orphan, or a widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Person is he who sleeps with his father's wife because he has uncovered his, farm, his father's garment. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is the one who has sexual intercourse with, an, with any animal. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who sleeps with his sister, the daughter of his father or his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who sleeps with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who attacks his neighbor. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who accepts a bribe to attack a, an innocent person. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who does not fulfill the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 28, we will do in a, in a future date. It is a very, very, very important chapter. Oh, it's something that everybody should really, really study and know. 
before we get too far, I want to go into the Samaritan Torah, the Samaritan Torah about this, because this is one of the probably the biggest discrepancy between the Samaritan Torah and the Masoretic Torah, and that is the place of where the the location of these um blessings and cursings so in the israelite samaritan torah the chapter we just read deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 4 reads as such and it shall be when you cross the Jordan, the Jordan, you shall set up on our Garzim, Garzim, in other words, on Mount Gerizim. Now, in the Masoretic text, it says, and it shall be when you pass over the Jordan that you shall set up these stones, which I command you today in Mount Ebal. So completely different places here. Completely different places. So the one says, the Samaritan Torah says, Gerizim, Gerizim uh, is where the curses are to, to be pronounced. But the Masoretic text says, Ebal. We just read in our reading, uh, using the New American Standard, the NASB, uh, it says Mount Ebal here. But I think it's very important to understand and realize that in the Samaritan text, it's it's not a ball, not even close to it. It's Gerizim, okay? Uh, and that's not in the footnotes here either, but that is that is the case. That is one of the one of the um, biggest discrepancies. with the uh, Samaritan Torah versus versus the Masoretic text. And again, this is why the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman was so uh, in, he was, she was so hung up on location. Jesus, where, where should we worship? You know, in Jerusalem, like the Jewish people say, the Masoretics say, or you know, Gerizim or an Ebal, like where? In Samaria or in Jerusalem? You tell me where. And, you know, again, I, I find it very interesting how Yeshua replied to her in a way that's very much like, listen, don't worry about it. Like she, he didn't even give her the answer. <laughs> I mean, he didn't give her an answer, but he didn't really, he didn't clarify which text was the authentic text. He didn't clarify that, which is very amusing. I, I'm, uh, I find it very amazing and amusing. Um, I'm, I'm amused because you think that Yeshua would be really, cons you know, concerned about, no, hey, Samaritans, your your Bible's wrong, or Masoretics, your Bible, you know, the Masoretic Jews, your Bible's wrong, or the Samaritan Jews, your Bible's wrong. But he didn't, he, he didn't even go there at all. He's like, no, listen, it's not about location. It's not about ge geographical location. It's not about any earthly thing. It's about worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Yeah, so very interesting how that how that happened. So again, for those of you who are, uh, if you want to address me specifically, I will go through. It depends on how many comments we got here. 
But if you really want to get my attention, put at Christopher uh, on any of your questions or comments, and I will pay special attention to those. Beth says, sorry, regarding culture and worship, culture is how people live and we are made to worship. Your answer regarding syncretism, syncretism was helpful. Thank you very much, Beth. Again, thank you for such a good question. Second first says that passage, that passage would put fear in the hearts of the politicians in D.C. if they weren't already blinded. And that's, yeah, exactly, exactly. Tariq, Pastor Tariq uh, Marshall says, Blessings from Pastor uh, Pakistan, Pastor Tariq Marshall. As always, welcome, Pastor. Good to see you. Blessings multiplied back to you. Beth says, I can't find the other verse regarding mix, mixing uh, fiber. Okay, I see after underneath here you said, uh, I'm sorry for that typo. That's supposed to be fiber. Okay, mixing fiber. I have generally interpreted that in the light of Deuteronomy 22, prohibition of linen with wool. But I would appreciate your thoughts. Okay. So it does say do not mix linen with wool and i've heard it argued you know that that's only talking about linen and wool that in other words you can mix other things like polyester and cotton and this kind of thing personally like i understand i understand you know when, when someone says that it, it just says linen and wool but in that cult talk about culture in that culture back in those days it's like what other fabrics did they have to choose from right it seems like linen and wool were pretty much like cotton and polyester today <laughs> so um how i interpret it, how i see it is god is just saying don't mix these fabrics now uh i'm 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 quite i do my best to to actually to live up to that uh, everything i wear is is 100 cotton i make it very um i i go out of my way to make sure it says 100 cotton on the on the uh on the tag or maybe 100% polyester just has to, is, like to me uh, again this is my own personal view of it um if, if it's 100% basically 100% is good you got mixture and i've heard that a mix mixed fabrics your skin doesn't like it your skin doesn't like it very much when you got mixed fabrics so I personally interpret that to say just just do your best to wear 100%, whatever it is, 100% polyester, 100% <laughs> nylon, acrylic, whatever it is, 100% cotton, uh, or like our brother, uh, what is his name? Um, brother Paul Neeson, right? He's like 100%, uh, he does a lot of linen. He does. He actually does linen. So, and that's awesome. Yes. So those are my thoughts on it. If someone if someone objects to to you know objects by saying well it only says don't mix uh, linen and wool it doesn't say don't mix cotton and polyester well you know they didn't have polyester back in those days I'm not sure how much cotton they had back in those days if it was even used 
for fabrics back in those days. Perhaps it was. We don't read about it. As far as I remember in the scriptures, not a whole lot, if anything, about cotton at all. Um, let's do a quick little search here. Yeah, nothing. Uh, there are a few odd translations that do have it talks about cotton curtains but for the most part most of the translations have not come in it whatsoever so depends on how you want to interpret that but anyway um that's how i look at it that's how i read it and if anybody really really wants to make a big deal of it and says linen and linen and wool i mean i wouldn't really get my nose bent out of shape too much about that but hey I do my best to do 100%. And I think that we see that in the, in the uh, Torah as well, where it's like, you know, don't mix your field with mixed seeds. Um, and people ask the question, like, does that mean that you're not supposed to plant a garden? I think that, no, it's like, like you're, only, you're only supposed to have one thing in your garden. I, 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 I find it hard to interpret that to mean that because how do you define field? How do you define field? I mean, the whole nation can be a field. <laughs> the whole, I mean, you know, it's like, how do you define field? Where do you draw the lines? So really, I think that the heart of those kind of commands are just don't mix. Um, especially when it, when it comes to seeds and crops, it's like, don't mix your crops in the sense of don't, um, don't try to mix the DNA of two different plants, basically, two completely different plants. And so, yeah. Thank you again, Beth. Another great question. Pastor Tariq Marshall on YouTube as well says, God bless you, brother. God bless you more. Truth in seek truth in Christ. Did Jesus change things like eye for eye? Because he says, You've heard it said, you've heard you've heard it has been said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Another very good question. Uh no, he didn't change it. He can't change it. If he did change it, he would be a sinner, not a savior. You're not supposed to change any of the commands of God. We read that in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Um Let's just go there. Not supposed to add or take away from any of the commands, but just a second. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Yeah, if he changed it, if he did, then that would be a sin to him. And uh, and that is that would instantly disqualify him from being the Messiah. So De Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Let me show you. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse two, you shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take a, nor take from it, uh, that you, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I, that I command you. Uh, so that's the ESV. Like you got something like NASB would say something similar, but not, I mean, not exactly the same. You shall not add to the word that I'm commanding you, nor take away from it so that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I'm commanding you. Um, very similar uh, in the New King James as well. Just don't add or take away. Basically, don't change any of the commandments. Uh, 
also says pretty much the same thing in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32. Everything that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. In other words, don't touch it. Leave it alone. Don't change it. You, if you do, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble if you change it. So no. And let me, to, to explain it a little bit more as well. What we have here in the Torah is we have different categories of laws. And, and I've said this before. The Torah is very much like the law of the land. For example, it may say in the law, if you steal, you get 30 days in prison. Let's just say. I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? Uh, so does that mean that if your brother comes and, and, and steals uh, a pen from you, that you are to lock you are to take him and lock him up for 30 days. No, if you did that, you'd be charged, right? Because that particular law that he's supposed to get such and such a punishment is not for you to execute. It's for the judges of the courts to execute. You understand what I'm saying? The judges, they can take someone and throw them in jail, but you can't. You can't. The judges, they can order someone to, uh, depending on what, what state you live in or what country you live in, some countries and states have capital punishment. They can do that, but you can't do that, right? Because it's, it's, it's common knowledge. There are laws that are only for the judges, only for it's judicial laws, not to be for person, not for you to personally fulfill. For, for, for you to execute on a personal level. It's for, the, it's for the designated authorities to execute using the authority uh, that they have. So in the days of Yeshua, you had people going around that were taking vengeance. They were mistreating their enemies. So they were violating a number of laws. They were violating, you know, so love your neighbors yourself. They weren't loving their neighbors yourself. Why? Because that neighbor did that. You know, that neighbor did this to me. I'm going to get back to them. Why? Because eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But that commandment was not for them. That's a, that's a judicial commandment. They're not supposed to, they're not supposed to use that commandment. They were hiding behind that commandment. To, to violate other commandments. They were saying, yeah, I, it says, I fry tooth for tooth, therefore I'm going to take his eye out. I'm going to take his tooth out because he took mine out. But they're violating where God said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Thou shalt love your neighbors yourself. They're violating that. Uh, in Exodus chapter 23, where it, it says very clearly to be kind and good and gracious and loving to your neighbors. They're violating that. They're violating Leviticus chapter 19, where it says you shall not hold a grudge. That's why Yeshua spoke so much about forgiveness. When Yeshua was talking, when Jesus was talking so much about forgiveness, what he was doing, he was just expounding on all these laws that I'm, that I'm talking about. He was expounding upon Exodus 23. Why does Exodus 23 says, be good to your enemies? Help your enemies when, when they're in need of help. Why does it say that? Because it promotes forgiveness. Why does it say in, Ex in Leviticus 19 not to hold a grudge? It's, it's promoting forgiveness. Why does it say in Ex Leviticus 19 um, to love your neighbor as yourself? It's promoting love and forgiveness. 
Why does it say uh, the Lord, vengeance is mine, says the Lord? Again, it's promoting love and forgiveness and peace. So these people were violating those, all these laws, but hiding behind the judicial law. It's almost like if someone, <clears throat> it's crazy because I'm talking about how, okay, so Johnny boy next door steals your pen. You take Johnny, you handcuff him, and you lock him up in your basement. Guess what? You're going to be in big trouble, huge trouble. But it says in the law that he's supposed to be locked up for 30 days. My, oh, my, oh, my. Hey, don't you understand? That's not for you to do. That's not, that law is, doesn't, it, it, it's not applicable to you. That's for the judges in the courts. They have the authority to say, so-and-so gets such and such a punishment. You can't take the law in your own hands. So when Yeshua was saying, you've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, he wasn't overriding it. What he was saying, he was just trying to, he was just trying to say to people, hey guys, hypocrites, hey hypocrites, stop hiding behind eye for eye, tooth for tooth and breaking all these other commandments in the meantime. You're, you are transgressing against several of the commands of God all while hiding behind one command. Get out from behind that command. You've heard it say eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I, listen, love your enemies. Remember, that's what it says. Exodus 23, Leviticus 19, and many other places too. We, we show it, it shows it very clearly in the life of Mo, or in Moses as well, but also in the life of uh, Joseph, it's, it's, it's put on full display example for us how to live in that kind of lifestyle, walking in forgiveness and grace, uh, treating your neighbors very, very well. And so in the Torah, we have examples and we have commands, but we also have the judicial laws, just like it is today in, in every nation of the world, as far as I know. Okay, so I hope that helps and uh, gives you a little bit more. Um, hope that helps answer your question there. Seek truth in Christ. Again, a very good question. Thank you for asking. Abril says, good evening. Yeah, my skin doesn't like artificial fabrics. It's true, isn't it? Especially if they're mixed. Um, when they are mixed, only 95% cotton. If it is less then I can't stand it. Yeah. You know what? It's like even your body, even your skin itself is like telling you, yeah, it's like itchy, itchy. It's like not comfortable. It's like, Hey, this is mixed. And, um, give me a hundred percent. Just feed me a hundred percent. Beth says, Thank you for your thoughts for incorporating laws on sowing fields. We homestead and those laws trouble my husband. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's like, so where do you draw the line? And so, I mean, <laughs> like there are many, there are many fields. Like there, it's like one big field, but there, but it's owned by several different farmers. If you know what I mean, it's like, it's like, it's a stretch of 500 acres, right? And but it's it's divided up into hundred acres a piece for each farmer, and it's like each farmer you know sows his own crop. So does that violate Torah? I I don't think so unless you're unless you're intentionally trying to mix DNA of the different plants like how sometimes they do today, uh, probably more often than um, definitely more often than they should. But the whole idea is 
you know, just keep the, keep the crops pure, keep everything pure, keep the DNA pure. Jordan says, Shalom, just now coming in after class. Welcome, Jordan. Good to see you. Actually, we're just on the tail end of things right now, but good to see you anyway, Jordan. So yeah, that's awesome. Tomorrow, we are going to get into Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to want to save that one for tomorrow because it's just so, so rich. It's actually a long chapter as well. Uh, and um, oh, I, I got some things I wish I could say right now, but I don't want to get into it right now. I don't want to open up that, uh, I don't want to open up that, uh, that can, so to speak, right now. So we'll, we'll save it for tomorrow night, Lord willing. Okay, guys. So, um, yeah, this coming Saturday... At 2 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, Lord willing, I will have Onia on and perhaps another brother on, depends on how it goes. Um, and we will be talking, uh, actually, we'll be just having a great time of fellowship, just a great time of uh, Shabbat fellowship. Taking your questions, taking your comments. I'll be talking more. In the past, I've had Onia on as, as a as a like a, a guest where he just kind of, you know, he he does a presentation. This is not going to be like that. It's going to be more of a, um, of a round table discussion. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be, uh, Onia and, and myself, we're going to be kind of bouncing things off of each other and also, t- uh, taking, uh, taking your questions and your comments. And again, if you guys know of anybody that would, uh, one thing we want to talk about is the Apocrypha. Okay. Uh, and other extra biblical texts as well. Uh, maybe some of the things that are found, that were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, or maybe even going into some other extra biblical texts, maybe some Jewish texts, uh, all that kind of thing. Uh, so, if you guys know of anybody who's very well versed in that kind of thing, the Apocrypha, especially, um, we might even get into like dietary laws. We'll see. I haven't really talked to Onia too much about that, but we'll see. Uh, if you know, if you guys know of anybody that that would be a really good addition to our round table discussion, our fellowship um, this coming Saturday, just send me an email. This is Christopher Enoch at protonmail.com. And um, yeah, let me know what you have in mind and we'll see how, how, it, how it turns out. All right, guys. So that's it. That's it for tonight. Thank you again for joining. You guys are awesome. Thank you for your questions and your and your comments. As as I always say, you guys are world changers. You guys, you uh, you have the power to to influence the world. Don't think you don't. All right, guys. Thanks again for your fellowship. One John two twenty six says, "Thank you, Christopher. Blessings to you." Thank you and blessings multiplied back to you, brother. Okay. I'll see you guys tomorrow night, Lord willing, 7 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to pick up where we left off. Start with uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. All right, guys. Thanks again. I'll see you then. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful. Wonderful. Shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.